What's up, everybody? Strawberry Sequoia here. Today, I'm here with Chris Whitener, the executive director of Magical Butter, which is the first company to create a countertop botanical extraction machine that, among many other uses, can create some pretty badass homemade cannabis butters, oils, tinctures, and more. Chris, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. Excited to have you here. Um, so just to kick things off, can you tell us about Magic Butter, uh, how you got started, and what your mission sort of is? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Magical Butter is, it's a, we have a complete product line to make sure people are successful in the kitchen. Uh, it started in 2012 with the development of our botanical extractor. Um, our inventor and CEO, Garen Angel, he had a friend that was suffering from Crohn's disease. And so uh, they sort of ran out of options and they began exploring like alternative therapy through using cannabis and uh, mainly, you know, cooking it. Um, as smoking really wasn't a practical option. And, um, you know, in doing so, they, they began trying to experiment in their kitchen with old-fashioned methods, crock pots, and, you know, uh, cooking it on the stovetop, and, and realized that it was actually a, a pretty challenging experience. Um, and so I believe after botching a few batches, uh, Garen thought of, well, I'm a pretty smart guy. If if I'm having trouble cooking with this, uh, you know, cannabis butter, I wonder how many other people are having similar struggles. So um, that was the birth of the magical butter machine. Uh, so uh, then I guess you would say our mission is to, you know, put patients first, help people be successful in, in converting herbs into uh, topical lotions, edible oils, and butters. Nice. And can you explain to us how um, one of your machines could work? Um, for, just for someone that's never tried it to get an idea of just how it works. Absolutely. So if you've never seen the magical butter machine, you can, you can imagine a stainless steel countertop appliance that has combined um, a slow cooker with a high-powered immersion blender. So um, it's all self-contained. You, you plug it in, and it's got a, a microprocess controller there. So you would just simply push a few buttons. You would select your temperature and your time. And uh, once you have your, your herbs and your either butter, uh, cooking oil, or you know, alcohol, if you're making a tincture inside the device, um, you would select your temperature and time. The machine's going to heat up, mix, grind, extract, and uh, leave you with a chopped up plant matter and a beautifully infused oil. Um, when, when it's all finished, the machine actually shuts itself off and you will need to pour it through the filter bag that we provide you with. Um, the filter is, it's a micron bag 
and that's going to capture all your chopped up plant matter and sediment. Nice. It's about as easy as it gets to create, um, I would say just a good product that's consistent as opposed to like, I don't know, let's put this in a pot and see what happens. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, we, we sort of, uh, take away the, the inconsistencies of sticking it in a pot and seeing what happens, you know, like, yeah. uh, the machine is going to replicate the same process each time and deliver you with a consistent product. Nice. And why, you know, is it important for you as a company to be able to give people the options to create their own products as opposed to with, you know, a lot of places becoming legal, just being able to buy them at the store? Um, well, power to the people, you know, I, I think it's important for people to have options. And for some people, buying an edible from the store is, is much more practical and easier for them. And, and they don't have any desire to make their own. But unfortunately, for a lot of patients, that's not an option. And uh, not only is it an op- it's not an option because of where they live uh, geographically, but it may not be an option based on their income or, um, you know, financial situation. And uh, typically it seems that when you are purchasing edibles at, at stores or purchasing uh, pre-made tinctures or, or oils, um, you're definitely paying a premium there. So I think the economics behind it, the economics behind it is, is number one of, of why people would, eventually be making their own um, especially if they're able to grow their own if, if you're growing your own herbs you're definitely going to be more likely to want to create your own you know oils and things um, definitely the the other factor i think that's a pretty big pretty big deal especially nowadays is uh you know a customizable experience and so when you're buying edibles from a dispensary there's not always full transparency on the quality of the herbs that were used or um, the specific strain and sometimes that's that's a big big factor in in someone's illness they they may need a specific strain or a specific strength and um, you know a lot of the laws the way they're being set up they're restricting the amount of milligrams that can be in a standard dose and um, I think that's a good thing overall, but for some patients, like they, they require a much stronger dose to, you know, alleviate their pain or their ailment. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said there. And as a Colorado consumer myself, um, definitely the recreational prices are insane And then one thing that always gets me is, you know, I I pick up an edible and it's got this natural looking, beautiful label. And then I take it home and look at the actual ingredients and it's got high fructose corn syrup and hydrogenated oils. And I'm like, wow, I I wouldn't normally put that into my body. Um, So I love the idea of DIY for just exactly customization as well. Um, And I guess. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> that that's a that's a really good point there that you made. Yeah, it's just one of those things that especially um as the consumer uh gets more and more intelligent about our options for cannabis, we uh we need to know that we can do it ourselves as well. Um 
And with legalization, that was sort of one of my next questions is, how have you seen the industry evolve as legal cannabis continues to spread to new states and regions? Um, well, I mean, definitely you're seeing like in here in the States, uh, in the legal markets, you know, um, more regulation. And I, I think in the West, uh, they sort of were the, you guys were the, the leaders there. And, and so the East coast is learning from, from things that are happening in the West, um, using that as a, as a model. Um, you got markets like Canada that, that have went full legal for the whole nation, but have made, you know, edibles illegal for the year, like unavailable, um, through the LPs. So, uh, depending on where you're located and what the laws are, it kind of will determine whether or not you are able to have edibles as an option or are forced to make your own. And for a lot of patients, like smoking and vaporizing are, are awesome. And, and they, they are definitely, you know, great options, but, um, you know, edible oils and, and tinctures uh, ultimately are, are providing like the ultimate wellness. Definitely. I personally, as a very active person, am not interested in smoking all the time, at least a joint here and there is, you know, just like brings you back. But, um, but I definitely prefer the edibles. Do you think that there's been a rise in DIYers with legalization, or do you think that there's been a decline, or have you not really noticed anything? Um, you know, I think we do experience a rise in sales. Like that's that's a metric that we are able to measure. It's like we definitely experience a rise in sales uh, when when a state goes legal, and. Um, I think there's a few factors there. Like once the state has made it legal, maybe consumers feel more open to, to ordering cannabis-based products on the internet. Maybe um, you know, it also opens up access and, and freedoms to, to uh, you know, doing things with the plants that you, you normally wouldn't have access to. Or some people are afraid of breaking the laws. Um, so definitely, I, I think we see a, uh, a rise as like, you know, legal markets open up. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, and so assuming you're in a legal state, <laughs> just to be safe, to purchase and consume cannabis, could you share with us some of your favorite things to make using the machine? Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I love making that, that's a pretty pretty standard recipe that I that I keep is uh, infused ghee butter, and um, that's a great option just for standard cooking in the in the kitchen when you're sauteing your vegetables or, or preparing your recipes. You can you can easily you know slip a little bit of medicated butter in there and uh, away you go. But um, one recipe that I I really uh, enjoy making and, and everyone that I share it with really love it is, is, uh, gummy bears. Ooh. And, um, 
Yeah, I think they've they're definitely a popular edible option, but um, we we make it pretty easy with magical butter. Uh, you, you would start first by creating like a alcohol-based tincture directly in our machine, and once you have your infused tincture, you would reduce that down to a a concentrated oil, and um, that oil is going to be your your activated ingredient that you'd mix you know, with some gelatin and some juice, a little bit of flavor extract. And uh, once you've got all that mixed together and melted, you pour it into, we, we've got some silicone candy molds um, in different shapes and sizes and uh, 21 and up gummy molds. And so you would pour your, your gelatin mixture directly in the molds and be left with a uh, little bite size medicated pieces of candy. That's awesome. I I love that one. (laughs) Everybody loves gummy bears. You just can't go wrong. And so if somebody were to purchase a butter machine and they were saying, I want to make gummy bears or I want to make ghee, um, you do have a spot, I believe, on your website, right, where you have a bunch of recipes people can look at and share and things like that. Yeah, we just reached over, I believe, 500 recipes on our website um but yeah you can they're able to be printed and shared there's videos for the majority of them so you can you can follow up watch the video directly on youtube and um you know not only read and and see the ingredients and how it's prepared but uh watch a chef actually prepare it on camera and um you know when you're cooking is a fun thing that people love to to follow along with but when you're cooking with precious ingredients you want to just make sure that you're giving people as much information as possible definitely and i'll toss links to that in our blog that we will have posted after the show so everybody can find that um, and let us know what your favorite recipe is but um, just to get back a little bit to the cannabis industry i'm curious what you would say is sort of the most difficult part of running a business in the cannabis cannabis industry? Oh, let's see. Um, Well, I would like to say that it's all, it's all fun and and pleasure. And, and for the most part it is like, you know, working in the cannabis industry is amazing. The people we get to interact with are are truly special. um, But, I think there's definitely difficulties and challenges to running any business, uh, specifically operating in the cannabis industry. Um, there's, you know, places that are illegal, places that uh, are legal. And so you sort of have to walk a fine line. Um, we've, we've positioned ourselves more as a culinary company. We don't actually touch the plant. Uh, so, we're a unique ancillary device, but we don't necessarily like want to be pigeonholed into being just a cannabis brand. Uh, however, the majority of the people we market to are, you know, cannabis consumers. Um, it's there's preventative, like you can't advertise on social media. If you're a cannabis company, mm-hmm. you can't advertise on Google, certain SEO, SEO words and things. So, um, when, when we are marketing on social media, we have to be very, uh, very 
choosy with with what we put out there and, and the images like uh you can't really show overt images of cannabis and things with without risking uh, you know getting in trouble in the long run Definitely. I think that's such a common issue across cannabis. I mean, even our podcast, we can't promote it in any way um, because it's a cannabis podcast. Um, you can't do the social media marketing. You can kind of get away with Google AdWords, but not the right words. And yeah, that very common issue, <laughs> I would say. So, yeah. So, you know, power to the people, though. I, I've noticed that there's a large uh, amount of advertising we can do through like um, media partners and, and also influencers where um, they can, they can get away with doing certain things that maybe a company or a brand wouldn't be able to. Definitely. You know, it's just a different way of marketing. There's not the same handbook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, before we close, is there anything that you would like to share with our wonderful cannabis community? Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to share uh, a nice edible with everyone and, and <laughs> teach the world to smile and be happy. Um, I think it's important that we all do our best to, to help one another. And um, I know there's so much more that we can we can learn and, and know and um, teaching and, and learning through experience and, and sharing with one another is a really, uh, really big deal. Um, I hope to see just all the nations of the world come together and, and embrace cannabis as uh, more than just a, you know, an option for, for medicine, but also so many other benefits, textiles and dietaries uh, supplements and you know so many benefits to cannabis so just keep on keep on doing the the righteous thing out there all the people who are listening at home thanks for taking the time and make sure you check us out at magicalbutter.com well that was beautifully said chris thank you so much for joining me i can't wait for everyone to hear your message <laughs>